I'm in a Starbucks bathroom, and they are pumping the Mariah Christmas music too soon. Oh my goodness, it was just 78 degrees in New York last week. Christmas advertising is everywhere. Why so thirsty, Christmas? Why? It's like someone trying to pick you up at a bar at 6 p.m. You're like, it's not even last call yet. Relax, Christmas. We all know it's going to happen. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It used to be chill, it's all up in smoke. I think I'm still fun. Parenting's a joke. I was cool. Hello, listeners, and by that I mean hello, parents and non-parents. So happy to have you. Hey, it's Ophira Eisenberg. This is Parenting is a Joke, where I bring together creative people talk about their careers and what it's like to have a kid thrown in the mix. Basically, how the fuck they do it. Today, I'll be talking to Chris Gethard about the myth of germs. Just kidding. They're real. And the elusive quality of being cool. I was so cool, like, five years ago. I had my own TV show. I had subway posters with my face, and now I'm picking a bobby pin out of another human being's turds. So I don't fuck up my septic. I wish I could say it was a cool mom. I, you know what? I don't even think that's a good pairing of words. Cool mom. I hear cool mom, and I picture a pink Zinfandel that is specifically marketed to serve at baby showers. You know, it comes in a reusable leopard print diaper bag. That's a million-dollar idea. What am I saying? We should be making that immediately. But real cool moms, like real cool moms, they don't think about being cool moms. They're too busy attending art gallery openings and fixing their Vespas. I was so naive to the challenges of being a parent before I had a kid. So, so, so naive. So you know what? I would like to take a moment to say, I'm sorry. I just have this letter here. Dear parents, I am so sorry to my parent friends. How I did not respect your struggle 
when I was not a parent. I am so sorry that I grimaced every time you talked about your kid and showed so little interest in them. I didn't even bother to ask follow-up questions. I just waited for you to finish so we could switch subjects to international travel and spontaneous hookups. Now, if someone doesn't ask me about my son, I put them in the same category as people who are mean to waiters, hate dogs, and do their taxes early. What's wrong with you? So you know what? I'm going to talk about my son constantly because it's a form of self-soothing therapy. Constantly. So plaster a fake smile on your face and zone out. Okay, this is specific to my mom friends. I am so sorry that I judged you for just throwing your sense of style out the window. As someone who now looks at new clothes and thinks, well, this looks functionable and forgiving. (gasps) Oh, it is Eileen Fisher. I get it. And I am grateful for Eileen's flowing lines and draping fabrics. Also, I am so sorry that I got so frustrated when it seemed like just such a big production to make a plan to hang out. I used to wonder... Why is this such a big deal? Just get a babysitter. It was just so annoying that you always had to schedule around bedtimes and mealtimes and pickups and sports games. I mean, can't you get someone else to do that? Or just feed them pizza? Can't you just make them go to sleep? I am surprised you didn't slap me in the face with a wet burp cloth or pelt me with a thousand goldfish. When I was childless, I had no idea that finding a babysitter is impossible because the college kids are out there being professional preschool teachers and day trading, and you can't just hire a 14-year-old kid off the street anymore. You can try, but teenagers are smarter now. Oh, yeah, they know they have the upper hand. They know that you need them more than they need you. And if you persuade one to give you a few hours of their precious time, (laughs) It's expensive. In other words, the outing has to really be worth it. So maybe rather than judge you for not having your shit together, I should have wondered, was I worth it? Here's the one that embarrasses me the most. I am so sorry that I didn't understand that you wanted to spend time with your kids. To be fair, most of the parenting dialogue out there focuses on being fed up and overwhelmed and desperate for a break. I didn't understand that was just part of the gig. That you also like them. I just didn't know what that felt like before. So instead of asking you to meet me for a cocktail at 10 p.m., I should have just dropped off some takeout Pedialyte and a nice Japanese whiskey and then just take off on my Vespa. Just kidding. I was never that cool. So, I'm so sorry. I look forward to your Shutterfly holiday cards and liking all of your Instagram reels because that kid is cute. Yours in solidarity, Ophira. Okay, now that I said I'm sorry, I would like to offer a gift by bringing on a real expert for a quick chat that will make us all feel better. Dr. Emily Oster is a professor of economics at Brown University. She's the author of three wonderful parenting books, Expecting Better, Crib Sheet, and The Family Firm. She's a keeper of data, a voice of reason, and a guiding light for so many of us. Please welcome 
Emily Oster for a short segment we're calling No Judgment with Emily Oster. That's good. I like that. That's a good title. Not bad, right? You use that, yeah. It draws good. people in, I think. Yeah. So this is from the early, early years. I I did sleep training, whatever version of it, I did it. And as I like to say, you know, I did it because I wanted my child to learn to fall asleep how I do it, which is by crying. <laughs> you know, I think we did a decent job of it. I will say when I've mentioned it before to the world at large, I got a lot of flack back about it. People saying, you know, that's basically mean to your baby. Yeah. So what's what's the data on this? Uh, fortunately, the data supports your choices. I think one of the things that people really worry about with sleep training on the internet is that it is going to cause your child to be insecurely attached to you or hate you or be unhappy in some deep-seated way that maybe you'll only find out about later. But we have done randomized trials in which some babies are sleep trained and some are not, and they follow them You know, not only in the week after the sleep training when the sleep trained babies sleep better and are in better moods, and so are their parents, but also, you know, five or six years later where you really don't see any differences. So it isn't the case that if you don't sleep train, your kid turns out differently. It just, it just doesn't matter. But it is really valuable in those first years when, you know, then your, your baby sleeps better. And I will say something I think is often missed in this, it's like really important, is that initially many of these trials are conceptualizing sleep training as a treatment for maternal depression. Oh. So that in fact, like a lack of sleep is, of course, a substantial risk factor for depression, for marital satisfaction being lower, for all kinds of other you know, poor functioning in the household. And it turns out that sleep training in these randomized trials improves those things. So right. it has this sort of benefit that I don't think we talk much about because we get really focused on like the baby, which is appropriate. But, um, you know, parents are also people. Turns parents out. People too. That's like a good tagline. <laughs> yeah, this just in. Parents. This just in. Parents are people too, and they like to sleep, and they they do better if they have slept. It was not easy, by the way. Sleep training that was no hard. That kid cried. I had to go to a bar <laughs> with my first kid. We had it was just like right, right down the street. And I mean, just to be clear, my husband was at home. Yeah, like it wasn't like I left not the, just the dog the baby alone. It was no. I my husband at some point was just like you know you have to leave because the thing about this is is you know there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to do this that work, but the key is to be consistent. And I'm like, not that good at that. So at some point he was just like, go to the bar. What was your sleep training cocktail? It's just like a Pinot Noir. <laughs> Pinot like, Noir. That's nice. like, that's the, that's a sleep training cocktail. <laughs> that's right. A nice Russian River Valley Pinot Noir, you know, <laughs> exactly. pairs with it everything. It wasn't that nice a bar, so I'm not sure. I think it was more like, you know, the, like the two buck chuck version. Yeah. That's fine too. I have said, someone yeah. has posed to me before, would you rather have a small amount of a very nice wine or a large amount of a not a great wine? And I'm- Large amount. Large amount. <laughs> Obviously. Have you ever made a uh, panicked call to a pediatrician that you look back and go, yeah, that was just panic? So my pediatrician made what I think is a pretty substantial mistake by one time telling me it was uh, okay to text her. (laughs) And so I text her pretty often uh, about things. Like one time recently, I'm not sure I was panicked about this, but it my daughter had been playing some basketball and her side hurt and it still hurt two days later. And so I texted and I was like, do you think it's appendicitis? And she was like, no, I, I don't. I think it's, 
I think it's a sore muscle. Like, why don't you just try putting some icy hot on it and see if it goes yeah. away? So, uh, so I, I tend to be like perhaps <laughs> consistent with the fact that I'm a person who writes books about like how to dial down your own anxiety. That all comes from being a person with a lot of anxiety. Right. That's, and so I'm constantly bothering my uh, pediatrician. It's, it's so funny you say that, though, about the side hurting, because I can imagine the way that your child described what they were going through was yeah. pain level 10, like all those kind of questions yeah. they ask an adult. Everything is pain level 10. You know, it's like, well, when you jump up and down, does it hurt more? That's like the test for appendicitis. She's like, yes. <laughs> you know, I should have known because she was delivering it. And sort of like, yeah, no, it definitely hurts a lot more. But like, actually, if you have appendicitis, you're like on the floor. In yeah, a ball. Screaming. It's not. It's not similar to. Right. You're not saying like, well, I muscle. I can jump up and down. That's probably. I mean, yeah, but like, it's a little. I'm not really having the mobility that I have <laughs> usually. Follow Emily Oster on Instagram and sign up for her newsletter. It is so great. At Prof Emily Oster, and the website is ParentData.org. We'll check back in with Emily Oster over the course of the season. Speaking of abdominal pain, our next guest just had hernia surgery. When we get back from the break, I'll be talking to the very funny comedian, Chris Gethard. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, 
in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Joining me is comedian, actor, writer, and podcaster. You know him from his HBO special, Career Suicide. His podcast, New Jersey is the World. And his Amazon special, Half My Life, Chris Gethard. Hi. Hello. How are now, you? I'm saying hi in a gentle way yeah. because I know that you are two days out of surgery. Yeah, this is true. I, are you okay? I'm okay. You can. I mean, my voice doesn't sound strong. I can hear <laughs> that I don't sound strong, but I'm happy to be talking to you. Yes, I had a hernia surgery oh. on Monday. So your son's name is Caleb? Caleb, but everybody calls him Cal. Cal. And three yeah. years old. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to live for the next six weeks, I think oh. they said. Four to six weeks. I can't lift anything that weighs more than 20 pounds, and he weighs 33 pounds. So that stinks. <laughs> Perfect. For everybody. You wrote an essay in 2019. You were about to become a father and thinking about that through the lens of your yeah. own father. That's been a big process for me. You know, we're always writing jokes, and then my kid comes along, and I started writing a bunch of kid jokes, and then I started realizing, oh, I'm writing a lot of dad jokes, too. I am clearly trying to figure out this balance of, oh, there's all these things that he did that I never totally understood. And this is not to say they were all bad. He was a great, great, great dad. Uh, but definitely some things that I look back on where I go, I wonder why that was the tactic. Can you give me an example of a tactic? I always want to be really careful because I need to preface it. Like my dad is great and we have a great relationship. He picked me up from the surgery on Monday. He yeah. stayed over my house. Like, like he's a great giving guy. He was also, I think he'd be the first to admit his relationship with work was intense. He was like a very classic workaholic. Yeah, my dad um, too worked all the time. There have been a few things that my dad has said to my wife in private said something along the lines of that he has some regrets that he worked harder than he should have and wishes he had dialed it back and spent a little more time with my brother and I. For some reason, there's like, my wife became like the back channel ambassador. Like she was the Dennis Rodman in this North Korea conversation <laughs> right. where he felt like he could say it to her because he needed an ambassador. Now that I am a parent, I do get it a lot more. I empathize more. Yeah. I have a brother who's three years older than me, and my dad was 27 when I was born. And shortly after I was born, he also had his first mortgage. I'm like, oh. Oh, my goodness. He was 27 and had two kids and a mortgage. You were crushed under pressure the whole time, and you never let me know about that. And that was a gift. Yeah. But sometimes that took on the form of you would work 13 hours a day and then come home and sit in an armchair, and I'd be scared to make noise. Right. You know, there was something you were talking about just in the style of parenting. And I think my parents did an amazing job. You know, they were much older. My parents lived uh, and my father fought in World War II, I, you know, because I'm the youngest of six. There's a lot of time here. So some of the parenting was a little bit of a different era, but with a lot of love. But if I fell down and scraped my knee my, and started crying, my mother would say, what are you made of paper? Come on, get up. Yeah. That was how it went. 
I, uh, my mom hates when I tell this story, <laughs> but I have broken one bone in my life. My brother and I got in a fight on our front lawn and, uh, he wound up falling on top of me and his knee hit my shoulder and broke my collar. Mm. And I was screaming, like really screaming bloody murder. And my mom came out of the front door and was like, stop yelling. All the neighbors are going to hear you. You're being a baby. Stop it. And we went inside and went about our day. Now, it was a Super Bowl Sunday. And this was in the morning. And we went to our family friend's house. I was, and I mean, there was a phone sticking up. I'm going, Ma, look at this. She's like, stop being a baby. You're always so dramatic about stuff. We went. We watched the Super Bowl, the halftime show. <laughs> the game wrapped up. This was for hours. And then my brother and I, we I mean, we were Irish brothers just a couple years apart. So we got in another fist fight, like another oh fist God. fight. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, my I think it was my dad turned to my mom and went, I think he actually is hurt. He's not swinging with his left. Like I couldn't lift up my left arm to punch my brother. And that was how they were like, oh, he's only punching his brother with one hand. <laughs> I guess he actually did hurt Something wrong with the southpaw. Like Something wrong with the southpaw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he's throwing jabs with the right. He's standing in an unorthodox. He's he's going unorthodox in the stance on this one. Like maybe there's something to this. And that's when I went to the hospital. It had been hours, hours of being told like, stop complaining, you baby. My God. I had a broken bone. You could see it. I think about that. And then I also wonder if you would agree with this of, and like in the summer when we didn't have school, we didn't go to camp or anything. Never. So it was like, all right, like the sun is up. Go get on your bike and ride around the neighborhood until you find some friends to play with. Come back for dinner. Like if you don't come back for lunch, I'll assume you got lunch at a friend's house. And but just make sure you're back by dinner. Yeah, and that was the legit. It was just leave, come back at dinner. So that was the action. But then everything we were told was like, also by the way, if anyone ever drives near you in a van, get out of there. They're gonna rape you. <laughs> Yeah. If anyone ever gives you a Mickey Mouse tattoo, don't lick it. It's definitely LSD. <laughs> Every apple at Halloween has a razor blade in it. Razor blade apples? See, Myth. If you ever see a clown, the clown has bad intentions. <laughs> if you ever see even the smallest patch of trees, there are probably people sacrificing goats to Satan <laughs> in there. There's Satan worshippers literally everywhere. There's witches yeah. everywhere. This was the 70s and 80s. And it was there just might like, be nuclear war. P.S. There might oh, be yeah, nuclear war. <laughs> If you survive all, and growing up where I, I remember my third grade teacher, this is not a joke. Our third grade teacher once offhandedly told us, you know, because um, my hometown, I think was 13 miles from Manhattan. Mm -hmm. He's like the people who live a little closer in Jersey, they got it good because they'll just get incinerated. Like we're the ones who are all going to be left with like third degree burns. We're just far away enough. It's not going to kill us. And that's worse. I was eight. Oh my nine gosh. Nine years old. This is pre-internet. You'd have a glass of milk and it would be like, look at this child who got kidnapped on the side of it. Just oh, like yeah. everything was relentless fear-based lunacy back then. It's true. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. 
We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I know you, obviously, from the New York comedy scene. You started with UCB and were doing a lot within that community and, of course, hosting your own show. You know, I looked at you and the people you hung out with and I thought you guys were cool. And I have been thinking a lot about a lot of parents are cool, but parenting by itself is not cool. Oh, yeah. It's not cool. There's nothing, There's no way to make it cool. You can, If you want to put your kid in a little tiny leather jacket and think that's some sort of version, it's no, that's just adorable. There's yeah. no, especially little Parenting, kids. Parenting, I would say, is actually like kind of demeaning. <laughs> just this morning. Yeah. My son, he really likes like Hallie's like hair ties and clips and stuff. He's mm-hmm. always getting into that stuff. And he was peeing in our toilet and he had gotten his hands on a bobby pin of hers and I didn't realize And then he peed. He turns around. He goes, Daddy, I have to poop. Now, he's just potty trained within the past month. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. He hops on the toilet. Congratulations. Drops the poop. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And then he turns around. I go to give him a high five, and he drops the bobby pin in the toilet. And it's just Mm -hmm. sitting there. And he's like, I want – he was calling it that little stick. He's like, I want that little stick. I'm like, that's done. You can't play with that anymore. But we're on a septic tank. Like, I I can't screw around. I can't just flush this thing and let the city deal with it. I got to get on rubber gloves and navigate around my son's poop to remove a bobby pin from the toilet so I can throw it out because I don't want it to fuck up my septic. Like that is, I was so cool like five years ago. I had my own TV show. I had subway posters with my face and now I'm 
picking a bobby pin out of another human being's turds so I don't fuck up my septic. It's so sad. It's a downfall. I was so clueless having my first child, and I never focused on kids beforehand, and I am the youngest. And in the beginning, I was like, what is all this talk about how gross poop is? What comes out of this kid is like almost nothing. And you don't realize that as they get older, it just becomes more and more like you. And it becomes grosser and grosser and grosser. Yeah. I remember so distinctly once going out. He was born 2019. So a lot of, we had the thing of like, you don't ever go out as a young parent and we have the pandemic. So it's even more rare and valuable. And I remember once going out somewhere, I think I maybe got dinner with friends, which is just like, you, you remember that feeling when they're really young of like, oh my God, I'm actually talking with adults. And then I came home and noticed that there was a small amount of his feces on my thumbnail. And I'm like, I just went out. in public and ate like were other people just looking at me like he clearly has shit on his thumb and just not saying anything what's wrong with me <laughs> that's amazing okay so awful well i just have to say this speaking of feces oh yeah we're going to talk about disgusting things and this is just a little game because i thought it'd be fun you just came back from a hospital situation i don't know if you were ever hyper aware of germs beforehand It was never a particular hang-up of mine. Yeah, the me last neither. three years have really taught me a lot. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions in a uh, a fun little a little bit of play here called "What is Grosser." So you're just going to have to guess what of two things is more germy. Oh, so there's objective answers. This is not just opinions. Yeah, this is it's actually based on a measurement. I didn't know this. It's CFUs, which is colony forming units. That's how they mm. measure these things. Ooh. Delicious. All right. So, uh, based on your uh, thumb feces, I feel like you're you're the right person for this. So, what okay. do you think is grosser: a baby swing at a park playground or a hotel nightstand? Oh, that's a hard question. Right? It's got to be a hotel nightstand. Well, that was a good guess. Okay, so hotel nightstand has a hundred and fifteen. Thousand CFUs per square inch, but in an outdoor playground, that swing has nine million. Nine million. Real? It's that much grosser. I guess just not only children and butts. And if my six-year-old was here, he would be laughing so hard right now yeah. because I said butts. Uh, but I think just like general outside bacteria, insects. I don't know, bird poop. I figured that hotels are a place where people like. Are into the idea of like I'm just going to be gross and walk away, whereas yeah. I've used a sanitation wipe to wipe a seat before. But I guess maybe I'm putting too much faith in the idea that that happens on a regular basis. Uh, have you That's wiped shocking. a nightstand before at a hotel? I have not. I probably I, start. Now. I'm, I'm going to start too. I mean, now I will say, post pandemic, I've never really had a thing of germs. I've been traveling a little bit, and I find even nice hotel rooms disgusting. Yeah. All right, a toilet seat or your car's steering wheel. <laughs> There, every single question elicits that response. By the way, is it the steering wheel? Yes, it's the steering wheel. Yeah, toilet seats uh, have a, a wide range. Of course, they think about you know fifty CFUs to a thousand per square inch, but your car steering wheel has about sixteen hundred CFUs per square inch. Because guess what? Hands and toilet seats. There's just a couple gross things getting on there. Yeah, 
But a steering wheel, it's really open up. I mean, anything your hands touch winds up there. That's gross. Okay, here's one more. The New York City subway per square inch or a pacifier that has not recently been cleaned. I forget what context it came up in my life, but there is a running joke among certain friends of mine of the idea of daring each other to lick a subway pole. (laughs) And that is the most revolting idea to me on planet Earth. Yeah. And I have to believe that that's grosser than a pacifier. I have to. Okay, here we go. It's a pacifier. It's a pacifier. Yeah, so the subway has just over two million Goodness. But a dirty pacifier can hold up to 100 million CFUs. I hate that. I know. I it's because that. it would kind of drop on the floor, and then you just wipe it on your shirt and blow on it, and then you give it to your baby. Right. In the earliest days, you're like boiling water every single time, <laughs> and then by the end, it doesn't matter. I, I, I remember how quickly I ate food that I had dropped on the floor that I shouldn't have eaten, but where I was just like, I'm not cooking again. I don't have time. I'll just eat the garbage. It was like three weeks after he was born. It was like no time at all that I just was subhuman. Oh, yeah. I think back to who I was in the first six to 12 months after he was born, and I do feel bad. I don't look great now, and I feel (laughs) well-rested, you know? And I have like no hair left in a beard all of a sudden. Like I, I have lost it. But yeah, I looked like a monster roaming the streets of Queens back when he was born. Did you always want to be a dad? No. Um, I was really scared of it. Yeah. I have historically had very, very shaky mental health and was always fascinated by the idea of being a dad. But it took me finding a partner who I felt supremely confident in to get truly enthusiastic. Like, I don't think I ever was convinced that I would be a great dad, but I was really convinced that Hallie was going to be a great mom. And that's proven true. Um, But I I was always very nervous. I still, it it still is my greatest fear is like, oh, what's going to happen the first time I see this kid have like a panic attack or a nervous breakdown when I know how that feels, you know, and I'm going to feel responsible. So I have been assured that having been through it will mean that I will be able to be there for him, but it's still a very scary and daunting thought. Yeah, I mean, in our uh, in our little cohort, you know, I do, I always want my kid to be happy. All of the stuff that is impossible also. It's just like, oh, I want you always to be happy. Well, that's not how life works. And I want no one to ever say something bad to you. And I want you never to learn about wars. All of these things that you think you can protect a child from. And when they're very little, you can in some ways because you're so much in control of their world. But as they get yeah. older, it becomes a little different. And then you just also, you're not in charge of their personality. You just have to direct them. Uh, as you're watching, you know, three years old, I feel like you start to even just get a sense of what they like. Is there anything surprising to you? It's funny. He's like very on brand as a boy. Like it's trucks, dinosaurs, superheroes. Like it's just all that stuff. And we don't particularly guide him towards any of that. He knows so much about Paw Patrol. He's seen. <laughs> Maybe two, three episodes in his oh, life yeah. that his grandparents are. He knows every character's name. Oh, yeah. Um, so anything that's like superheroes, adventures, he is very funny. It's now in a very interesting phase where he can make us laugh so hard and he likes making us laugh, Uh-oh. which I do 
take glee in seeing. But when you say to him, like, Cal, you're really funny, and he tries to make you laugh, he bombs. <laughs> like, he thinks the funniest thing in the world is calling me booty man. And it was funny the first time. But he will just <laughs> relentlessly call me booty man. And I still kind of giggle. Hallie is like, the booty man thing needs to stop. But when he's just naturally being himself, he's very funny. The thing that is really, really cool for me to see, I had all these thoughts about like, what if he's like anxious and nervous like me? What if he like gets in his own head? But his mom is very, very adventurous. And that he took after her on that, which is cool. So like we, there's a lake not far from us in New Jersey and we go there and he'll, he's three years old and he'll put on his floaty and he'll go to the end of the dock run full speed and never pause, just launch himself off it. He swam, Daredevil. him and his mom, he, again, he's in a floaty. I'm not saying he's like baby Michael Phelps, like he's in a floaty. He swam across this lake and back with his mom. He's three years old. That's great. That's right? cool. I know. He's like this adventurous little guy who likes boy stuff, which is funny. He's not the best with other kids. He's not great socially. He's really, I see the effects of the pandemic yeah. on that. Um, and that's where I see my personality come up and I'm like, oh God, just like walk up to another person and say hello and don't yeah. overthink it. Like yeah. I see him overthinking it. But yeah, he's great. You have done so much stuff that is created, controlled, produced by you. You know, you are... For better, for worse. For better and for yeah. worse. And I, uh, I just assume, and you can tell me that you like doing that because of the creative control. Yes, but I, I, I feel like where you're going with this in relation to parenting, I will tell you, oh, and I haven't talked about this publicly. I was actually just kind of opening up to my wife about this last night. Like, I have some regrets because I also feel like everything with me, I fought for creator control and I kept things kind of small and passionate and, and cult-based. And because of that, I got, I feel like my stuff is not for everybody. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> and there's a lot, there's like a lot of trends in, like there's a lot of comedy right now. And, and there's people I'm friends with who fall into this realm. Like there are people right now who will look at somebody where it's like, oh, he tells like these emo stories and there might not be a joke for a few minutes, but it'll get really dark. And people are just like, we hate that. That's not real comedy, you know? But I'm like, but I created that and that's mine. And then the fan base that follows it really sees what I'm going for. And they see that I'm trying something different. And I'm trying to carve out my own space. But I also feel like you were saying you used to look at all of us at UCB and think about all the cool kids. And I'm like, they all went into things that were a little bit more of the traditional route and they mm -hmm. all help each other now. And I definitely now feel like I have a three-year-old and I sit here and I go, I have to give him insurance till he's 26. Right. And I don't necessarily know how I'm getting insurance for the next 23 years. Maybe if I had just actually buckled down and submitted some actual writer's packets along the way and was just getting WGA jobs, like all my friends were smart enough to do, maybe I'd be ahead of the curve. But now I don't think anybody's too excited about like, oh, let's like, who should we break into our writer's room as like the new person that we want to like bring up? Should it be the 42-year-old white guy who's had his name all over a bunch of stuff for the past 10 years? Should we help that guy out and do a favor? No, I don't need favor. You know what I mean? Like, I've done a lot of stuff, but it's not stuff that has led to the firmest 
safety net or foundation moving forward. And that's really scary. This is how every parent, regardless of your field or level of success, feels. It's just stability enters the conversation in a way that I think is very intense. So let's just say tomorrow, Alvin and the Chipmunks has a new chipmunk in their animated series. Okay, got it. Yes. A SAG job that gives insurance that's voiceover where your face isn't on it so people don't bother you in restaurants? Yes. Mr. Hipster Cool Public Access, would you sell out and do Alvin and the Chipmunks? Not only would I do that, I pray for that. I pray for that. I got to think about paying for daycare. Thank you so much for talking with me two days after your operation. Oh, please. So psyched. So psyched. I feel like you got some very honest answers because there's still a little bit of oxycodone in my system. (laughs) That's great. Just enough to uh, basically disarm you. Thank you to Chris Gethard. And you know what? Chris is hitting the road. Go see him. Check out chrisgeth.com for details on all of his upcoming tours. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. One thing, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we would love to hear what you are grateful for this year. (laughs) And in the spirit of comedy, I'd also like to hear what you're not thankful for. Head to parentingisajokepod.com for info on how to send us a voice memo. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Parenting is a Joke. And if you still want to do Twitter, we're at Parenting Joke. Pretty Good Friends has a comedy show live at the Bell House in Brooklyn on November 16th. This is celebrating the launch of their new record label. So come on down. Details are at prettygoodfriends.com. And you know what? Just stay in Brooklyn for that whole weekend because on Monday, November 21st, I'll be at one of the best stand-up showcases around Butterboy. That's at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Details are at OphiraEisenberg.com. You can find me on the socials at Ophira E. Check out my new comedy special, Plant Based Jokes, streaming for free on YouTube. Our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith Clem. Our editor is Nina Perzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby Mack. Our contributing writer is Lucy Huber. Our production assistant is Abigail Shepard. Our game writer is Emily Winter. Our theme song and music is by Adira Amram and The Experience. Special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. Now, what I love about this Pinot Noir is that it has these strong notes of spring blackberries, if they were picked on the side of a volcano. You know, it has that lovely smoky ash. You get some coastal grasses. It really pairs excellently with crying babies in your apartment being sleep trained by your partner while you're at the neighborhood bar. It's a Napa wine, but at a Costco price, and it's called Cool Mom. And you can always use it to fuel your Vespa.